Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the February 5th episode. We are covering Genesis, Esther, Job, and then we're in Mark. Yes, and we're in Job. Oh my my goodness. I feel like I talked about Job incessantly last year when we were doing this. I just love it so much. And I'm so excited to read it again. And read it in a whole different, like reading it through the message is so drastically different. So I'm excited about it. Oh yeah. Yes. And I'm looking forward to reading it, reading it with regard to Genesis too. Like there's several, like it came up today in Bible study. We were talking about Job and how Noah's called Mm -hmm. righteous and blameless, Mm -hmm. just like Job is, but like talking about how that's not, it's a position of a heart. It's not um, it's not similar. Right. That like is interesting. Cause that's yeah, something talk- that ties into some things that I was thinking through in relation to other characters we see in the reading plan this week. Yeah. Before we get started though, we have people that have been reading along with us and are marking off their Bible reading plan challenge weeks. And so we've put all those names over 25%, almost 30% of all of our members so fun. are reading through the Bible. That's a huge commitment. Um, and so we're going to draw a name this week for the people that finished January. All right. Yay. Janet Charbonnet. Janet wins a mug. Yay. We'll have to give her a West Coast mug, right? Janet, mug. I know that. That's fun. Yeah. So that's our first month down. Now we're starting February. And Galentine's, we've got mm-hmm. that going on too in our community. We're working on. We have some stories. Are those stories staying up or is that just for today? They won't stay up. They'll just stay up for today, but we might even reshare them more like throughout the next, since it goes through the 13th, we'll probably, I would imagine it would make sense to share them again. I think we should. Yeah. I really like them. They're cool. So Instagram stories has some stuff on there for people to do. And then we've got a download for people to download like a card template. A card. Yeah. Yeah. To send to some friends to encourage them and share words of life. So we have that going on. And now we're jumping into Genesis, starting in chapter 31, you said? Yes. Genesis 31. We went through 38 this week. I can't remember if Meredith said this last week on the podcast or if this was something I was reading on our network. It may have been Kara, but Jacob, just not my favorite guy. Jacob's yeah. pretty much the worst. Yeah. And I think. All right. This is, I think, I think this is like the highlight that I got from Genesis. And I actually got this highlight last year while I was really wrestling in a relationship. Like I was really struggling in a relationship around this time last year. One of the things that I loved about this passage and reading it like Mm -hmm. in the big picture was that you get to see that Jacob wrestling with God happens while he's like anticipating meeting Esau. Like I've always heard that story preached on like it's a right it's its own standalone story but I think Jacob is wrestling with God about asking for his blessing with his for favor when he goes before Esau like he's asking basically like can you make this right 
And I think that, I think personally that that's like what, this is totally yes, Aaron's, yes. like this was Aaron's interpretation. Everybody like just <laughs> not the gospel truth. What I think is that Jacob spent all night wrestling with God about and begging for his favor with his brother who he knew he deserved death from. Like he deserved right. he was to die for what he did. It. He He's stole terrified. his brother's blessing. Yeah. Yes. And so I think he's wrestling with God all night long about it. And then finally, at the end of the night, Jacob's like, I will not let you go until I get your blessing. I think that God is like, you don't deserve this. I will give you my favor, but you're going to remember that what you have is because I gave it to you, like, because I allowed it. Like I gave this to you. You did not earn it. You don't deserve it. And it's, and so it made me think of that. Like mm. you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed is what the, what his name means. You will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel for you have striven with God and men and have prevailed. And that's like, that's what I was thinking about is like his entire life from the moment that he's named a deceiver and he's hanging onto Esau's heel to stealing Esau's blessing. He steals, he has to deal with Laban, like we, Laban, Laban yeah. I never know how to say it. Yeah. He has to deal with Laban and he strives with Laban and he's just, this whole life is contention and God is like, he finishes it, but with a, like a forever reminder, you didn't earn this. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's totally my interpretation I mean, it, of it, but I just love the thought that like he was that desperate for his relation, for their relationship to go well, that he like stayed up all night long wrestling with God mm -hmm. about it. it was like, no, like I need to know this is going to be okay. Anyway, go ahead. Here's my like I'm going to push back on that a little bit because one of the things that irked me so much about Jacob in this section is when after he and Esau meet up in chapter 33 and Esau fully, yes, I love him. Esau. Like he just, he's like, you're my brother. We have moved on. Like, I, like, why are you even worried? I don't want your gifts. Like you're my brother. Like, the, and then I just wanted to take a short break to let you know that we have a brand new community of believers on our Dive Collective Network. If you're looking for a more in-depth Bible study, we offer what we call Dive Studies. Right now, we're going through the book of Genesis in eight-week sections, and we'd love to have you join us. We have weekly meetings via Zoom. So if you're looking to go further in your studies, I highly recommend that you come and see us at divecollective.org for more information. Jacob is still sneaky. And he, at the end, he's like, um, Esau says, let's go together. Like, let's go back to my place together. And Jacob's like, well, we're kind of tired. Like some of the animals are, the moms are nursing the babies and they're going to like, we, we need to rest. So you go ahead and I'm going to take it easy. And so Esau offers him some of his men and Jacob says, no, we're good. So Esau sets out and goes back home thinking Jacob's going to follow him. Well, Jacob doesn't, he leaves and goes somewhere else. And it seems like, and like, that's it. Like, that's the end. He goes, I didn't read it as intentional. Oh, I didn't read it as though he was deceptive. It, you might, it might totally be that way. And I just missed it. Um, so that is interesting. If that's what he was doing. I thought that he was just following at a slower pace because the, he was with an enormous group of. Okay. Now I need people. to look at a map is what I need to do. Part of the reason I read it the way I did is because they go to different places. Esau leaves and goes to Seir. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. This article sounds like they do go different directions. Okay. But the other thing that I didn't realize that I didn't think through is that Jacob is actually going to the land that God promised 
to Abraham. Esau mm. is not. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that he was being deceptive and that they were going, he was in purposely going in other directions. Yeah. That's how it read to me. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I'd have to do a lot more digging to be able to have a, like decide exactly how I feel about it fully. But it felt when I was reading it, it felt really cowardly and sneaky again, like just like Jacob has been yeah. all along. It just felt like another one of his. And his which, sons do the same thing. What his Right. So like this also kind of connects. So another, okay. So later on the end of our reading was Genesis 38, which is um, Judah and Tamar, that Judah and Tamar story where mm. Tamar's daughter-in-law, her Judah's son dies and they're supposed to give him the next brother so that she can have an heir and the next brother refuses to fulfill the duty. So it happens Judah and God is actually killing Judah's sons because they're so evil. Like it says that God takes them. Mm-hmm. Judah has one son left and he doesn't want to give him to Tamar. He's too young. He promises him to, to Tamar, but then eventually Tamar's like, he's not going to give him to me. I've been waiting for a long time. So she disguises herself as a prostitute and Judah sleeps with her. She has a baby with Judah. Ugh. Like it's just yes. so it's like, <laughs> but as I'm reading, I'm thinking <laughs> like, this is Judah. Like we get the lion of the tribe of Judah from Judah. Yes. Like this guy who is a complete train yes. wreck. He's a deceiver. He doesn't do anything right. And then I'm thinking about Through Tamar who dressed up right. as a prostitute. Yes. Right. So God, then we've got like, then I'm thinking about Jacob again. Like Jacob is this weasel of a man who again, ugh, like I just don't. Mm. And yet like he's Israel, like God brings <laughs> the savior of the world through Jacob and Uh, Noah, like we talked about in Genesis. I was thinking about this this morning when we were recording our Genesis podcast. Well, we haven't gotten to this part yet in Noah's story, but like Noah is the righteous man. God chooses to save him. And then like, we know what happens later with Noah, like after the fact, not great. He messes up. Oh, and then, sorry, I'm going to go to Esther for a second. Like Esther is this woman who like fears God. And God uses her to preserve his people. I just, I just spent a lot of time thinking about like how unpredictable we've talked about this before. We cannot put him in a box, like the way that he works and the people he chooses to work through and the absolute train wrecks. Like when we look at them and think there is no way this is redeemable. It totally is like, it's always redeemable. Yes. Anyway. These, these characters in Genesis, all of these Bible characters, like we learned about them as like people to aspire to, like be, have faith like Abraham. Yes. You know what I mean? Like these are all, they're in the Bible because they're examples to follow. Well, not necessarily like they're in the Bible because they show God's grace in spite of all of their disaster and how God is, he keeps his promises over and over, no matter what, no matter like it's not dependent on his people. Like the promise is dependent on him and that's it. And so yes. just I love the way that you said that, like, this is Israel. Like this is, his, <laughs> these are his chosen yeah. people. Like Jacob is the, the name of the entire nation mm-hmm. that he chose to make his name known through. And they're, they're an, like you said, they're an absolute, they're an absolute mess. And like you kept saying like they're redeemable and it's like, they are not they are not redeemable. There's nothing right. redeemable about them. It's impossible. 
that's how big our God is. Like, right. Like that, that it's not dependent, the redemption. It makes me think of that verse in Psalms. It's stuck with me since we read Psalms in the Bible reading plan last year. I think it's like, I don't remember which Psalm it is. I'll have to look it up, but it's talks about how with God, there's redemption and abundance. Mm -hmm. That redemption is fully dependent on him and Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with us. Like, yes, nothing to do with us. Thank God. Cause I would not redeem the same people he picks. No, <laughs> I know. And yeah. And then I look at Esau and I'm like, man, that stinks. Like, like the way that all worked out, like in my human, I read this and I think Esau, yeah, he's not perfect, but he wasn't Jacob. Well, see yet- with Esau, I'm like, I think Esau is an idiot too. And I think, well, that, yeah. I think part of the way that my interpretation of that whole story helps me to like wrap my brain around it. It's like the only reason that Esau received him and was able to like somehow turn around because Esau was determined to kill him when he left like that. And we know that from Cain, when you get a determination to kill somebody, there's no coming back from that. Like it's really, it had to be God's favor that he gave Mm -hmm. in that wrestling match that allowed Esau to receive him with that, with those open arms. Like there's, that's miraculous. There's total miracle on Esau's part. So I don't give Esau any credit for that. That's all like, again, like that's, that's our Interesting. big God. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I, I don't, yep. Because my interpretation of that whole wrestling match didn't go there. I assume yeah. like it's been so much time and Esau like just got over it. Yeah. Well, not that he just, not even necessarily that he did it. I guess I assume God did that too. Like in yeah. Esau. Oh yeah. And he did. Um, I'm sure. And probably long before he's, Jacob even right. like wrestled with him. Right. That's but, true. Yeah. Oh man. I wish we knew more of the story. Someday. Let's, let's jump to Job or the end of Esther and Job. Okay. Side note on Job yeah. there. Did you notice there's an Eliphaz in Genesis 36? And I was like, wait a second. And so I Googled it because this is what I do with all of my Bible things right now. I just, what did Wikipedia say? I'm just kidding. I don't think it was Wikipedia this time, but it's possible. It's not sure. There's no like for sure, but he's, he's Eliphaz, the Temanite, Temanite in Job. And in Genesis, there's Eliphaz and his son, Teman, Teman. And they, they established that city. So it's, and, and Job is like old, 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 like timeline. So it's possible. There's no way to know for sure, but it's possible that Job's friend Eliphaz is actually Esau's son, Eliphaz. Did I say that it was Esau's son? What? It's not for sure, but it's possible. And isn't that kind of cool? Esau has a son named Eliphaz. Look in Genesis 36. The same guy. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really that glad that you kind of a fun little. Yeah. They think that like Job was actually the first story written. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I love it when you can make those connections. Not that we actually officially can, but that's cool to think about. There's a lot of, yeah. So with Job, I just love Job's first response to all that happened around him. And how he was like, this is God. How we were talking about this yesterday in a separate conversation privately, Mm -hmm. but the way that Job recognized like those, it was the hand of God each time. In fact, the word they died and they are dead. That word dead means they passed away at the hand of God. So it was like a kind of like a 
natural causes. And so each of these things were, they died at the hand of God. And so Job was like, this is God's doing. And I remember feeling that way about Lydia, like thinking how grateful I was that there was nobody to blame for this child's death. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. I think that like, if she, if I had been negligent or right. if somebody else was responsible, that's a whole nother level of healing that has to happen. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. God does something, it's like, it was God's, like God gave her to me and God took her away. Like mm-hmm. that's, this is the story that he's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think is a really, that's kind of a cool picture of Job's response to that. Like, whoa, it's almost like as soon as he has a chance to stand back up, like another wave is coming at him of like just terrible news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that second, and then you see the second, the second time Satan gets to screw with him mm-hmm. and it's directly at him. And that's a whole other level of like wrestling. Yeah. Like, this is personal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> personal before, but now it's like, I don't even know what to do with this. It's, right. It's just legitimate, like lament and questioning. So like you, he, he recognizes that it's, I think that's the difference right there. He recognized that it was from God, but he didn't blame God that the first time versus the second. Right. Time. Yeah. Well, both times, I think I, later on, he questions God a lot, but like, we're not there yet. No. So like at the end of chapter one, before the second thing, like the, his, he loses everything his wealth and his children. And he, he recognizes that it's from God. He said, God gives God's take, God takes away, but he doesn't blame it on like, there's that. Yeah. It's not blaming it on him. And then the same thing, the second time, that's when he says to his wife, we take the good days from the God, from God. Why don't also the bad days? Like I still, and then in chapter three, at the very beginning, actually, I'm curious what the ESV says. It says, um, when Job finally breaks the silence and asks why it says he's in the message, it says he spoke up and cursed his fate. So mm, even still, I was like, he still isn't blaming God. Like it's this, like, which is maybe yeah. I'm being too technical, but he recognizes that because God is God, it comes from God. And yet he's not, he's not cursing him or blaming him. He's just recognizing God's godness really yeah kind of yeah it's almost like he it's still lament but it's it's almost like it he's not really questioning God he's just stating it as fact like right everything would have been better if I had never been born right I can't see how there's any goodness that has come from my life if this Mm -hmm. is the way if this is the way it is Mm -hmm. obviously has no idea what God is going to do in the end but now we've got several chapters to watch what deep lament looks like mm-hmm. and friends that don't suffer well with their friend. Mm-hmm. So that's really, the, that's really what we got. I think we don't see, oh, Eliphaz, Eliphaz does speak. He starts. Yeah. We four. just went through four, right? Yeah. So for time's sake, should we head to Mark? Yeah. Let's head to Mark two. Mark two through eight. So the chosen sheds a lot of, I, I see a lot of things through the mm-hmm. chosen now. And so this tax collector, Jesus calling Matthew, mm-hmm. or in this case, I think it's Levi in chapter two, right? Do they have, are they the same? Levi, name? yes. I think Which is so. the same guy. I th- I, that's what I was asking. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus calls Levi slash Matthew. And 
I'm kind of picturing like the way that Jesus calls all of his disciples to him. And I'm realizing like at the end, like there's kind of a big crowd and he's up on a mountain when he finally like calls, like these are my 12. Yeah. I noticed that too, this reading. Yeah. Yeah. And so looking at Matthew though, and thinking, man, like, was he watching Jesus walk through town and kind of like, I want to be with that guy. You know, the way that they depict it in Chosen, probably not. Maybe, I don't know. But just the thought that he went out again beside the sea, all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And I don't know why that struck me this time because he, I mean, I've read it a million times, but just that thought that like people want an invitation. Had he seen him? How many times did he sat there in his booth watching Jesus go by and thinking, I'd really like to be a part of that. Well, like didn't just leave and assume, do you know what I mean? Was it an invitation or it was really more of a command, I guess, when he says, follow me, what were you going to say? I was just going to say too, like like Matthew is someone who Jesus would not naturally have associated with. So as if, if it happened kind of the way the chosen depicts it and Matthew's like watching Jesus, he needed an invitation. Like he wasn't on his own. He was not going to be associating with Jesus, which is kind of like what I love, like right after that section where Jesus eating, it says he's eating supper with a collection of disreputable guests. (laughs) unlikely as it seems more than a few of them had become his followers. And I just love that, which totally ties into what you were saying. Like Matthew needed an invitation. And not everyone needs an invitation, but people like there is something about being invited to be part of. Yeah. And the way that you see Matthew, like just jump up and he's like, yes, like I've, all I needed Mm -hmm. was you to say the word and I'm with Mm -hmm. you. I can think of a time in my life where somebody was telling me a story about an experience that they had and sharing with me that I could have it too, but I wasn't going to ask for it. Like I was sitting there like listening to the whole thing and going, man, I want that. I want that. I want that so bad. I want that so bad. And then finally, when they were like, would you like that? Can we do this for you? It was like, oh my gosh. Yes. You know, like, yes, yes. hundred percent. Yes. And like that thought that like, I'm not the kind of person that's going to ask. I'm not the person that's going to like assume that I'm wanted or that I would fit in or that I belong. I want to be invited. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, that just was, that really stood out to me. It's just a precious moment because Jesus knew, no doubt. Yeah. Like Jesus saw oh, yeah. him there and was like, this one needs an invitation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Which totally makes me think, I'm curious now. This is me like following a train of thought based on what you just said. I have no idea where it's going to end up or if it's correct. But later on when he when he actually chooses the 12, I just moved right to it. He pulls them out of the crowds. So like, I, and, and we see at least with Matthew and Peter and James and John, like some of them, he does like go up to them and invite them. I wonder of the, if those 12 were all invited because the crowds, there are people following him just right. showing up. And then there are people that he's inviting. Like, yes. I wonder if that happened Yes. All 12 of those. That's the end of the train of thought. You're right. And I don't think that I could have gotten there on my own, but that's when I pictured that, when I saw that that's how he called his 12, that was really, that's the question that was rattling around in my head is like, at what point did they start following him? And was it, were they all invited before? Or was this like a special invitation that's like, come be close to me. Yeah. 
which is another, like that's, we studied this, when we studied this in Mark, this was something that just totally, it was so mm. precious to me. I will never mm-hmm. forget that idea of how he explains, and you see it here, many such parables, he spoke the word to them and they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Mm -hmm. Just that idea that like coming close, if you come close to Jesus, you get extra, like the closer you come, the more you get, he's anxious to give it to you. So like, that's all you have to do. Just come in close, like come Mm -hmm. in close and it's all like he, he gives you, he'll give you more, mm-hmm. which goes with that same, like to those who have more will be given. There's that's in this passage, too, yep. which I love that idea that if you understand a little, then that means that's a good sign. You're probably on the road beginning to understand more and then more and then more. Mm-hmm. He just multiplies. Like if you, if you get a little revelation and you're starting to understand a little bit about who this Jesus is, like you're just at the beginning, just keep leaning mm-hmm. in and the closer you come mm-hmm. and the longer you stay, the more you get, it just keeps coming. It doesn't stop. Right. Which is such, I mean, that's the relationship, right? Any relation, human relationships that we have, the closer we get, the more we know them, you know, like that's how, and that's, it's the same with Jesus. He's out, he's after relationship Mm -hmm. with us. I think I used to feel frustrated thinking that he just, I used to read the gospels as if they were all just parables and understandable. Mm -hmm. And now looking closely, it's fun to see that like, he did take the time to explain them. Like he, mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to put pu- a puzzle out there for you to just figure out yep. luck and walk yep. away for those who stayed and leaned in the explanation followed. And I feel mm-hmm. like for so many years, I read the gospel as if I was one of those people just kind of on the outskirts listening, yep. but not really like invested to come in mm-hmm. closer. And now I'm in closer going, Oh, he explains it all. Like, right. He doesn't just give a parable. He totally like it's all, the explanation follows it, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit has a huge part in that too, yeah. right? He reveals that we can't see it unless he does. And then the woman that he heals of the bleeding. I know that's, I think, I think that's my favorite story. When we studied it in Mark, one of the things that we talked about was, if there's so many aspects to it that we talked about, like the coming in close and the being open and honest when she tells Jesus what she, like, there are just so many things about that story. She told him the whole truth. Yes. Like, yeah. There's so many things about that story that we, that revealed Jesus's character and how he relates to us. And Mm. the thing that stood out to me this time that I don't remember, remember, I don't remember looking at though. I am pretty sure that Melissa said it at least is that he calls her daughter Mm -hmm. that to me, like that's so significant that he calls her. Remember talking about that in Matthew, because we, it, it tied into kind of like Ruth, how Ruth's name changes throughout her story. And this one, like she's a woman, like at first she's the woman and then she ends up as daughter and just how, yeah, that's so good. And then here again, I remember in Matthew just a couple weeks ago, that phrase risk of faith is, was in the story that totally stood out to me. And it's the same. It's at the end, Jesus says to her daughter, you took a risk of faith and Mm. now you're healed and whole. I love that. She was healed before he spoke to her though. Right. So it's like, not just, you're not healed, but you're also whole. Yep. This one, it doesn't say that it says go in peace and be healed of your disease. But for me, I think it's the go in peace. Mm-hmm. That's the, the significant, the whole mm-hmm. part. That's Shalom, right? Right. Shalom is wholeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. 
That's the recap. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.